the Losers Club is back. And so is our horror friend of the pod, Amanda. Okay, now were you a, quote, loser in high school? So I went to a high school that was way too small to have losers and not losers. There were 98 of us in the entire school. Um, So I was, like, quote, unquote, into, like, the nerdy stuff, like, show choir and comic books. I know. But I had lots of friends. Uh, So I was actually in the cool crowd, and Mm. that did not make high school any better. No. Whatsoever. (laughs) But don't worry, all of you fans. We are both definitely super losers now. Absolutely. 100%. Today, we go back to Derry, Maine, 27 years later, with It Chapter 2. Probably my most anticipated movie of the year, to be quite honest. Oh, I was counting down for sure. I'm Amanda. I'm Tuesday. And this is Whiskey and Popcorn. All right. So like you said, we are back in Derry 27 years later, and things are not going well. Children are missing, people in the mental hospital are going crazier, and Mike Hanlon calls back the adult members of the Losers Club to solve the problem. So we get to find the losers uh, in their adult lives. So Richie is a stand-up comic. Bev is a fashion designer, but she's still in in an abusive relationship. Uh, Bill is a successful writer that it turns out people don't actually like the endings of any of his books. Stanley is an accountant. Eddie is living in New York. Ben is in the real estate world, extremely successful. And Mike is the only one who stayed in Derry. He became an obsessive library's assistant. He lives in the library attic. So as they come back to Derry, they start to remember what happened to them because the farther and farther they get away from the town, the fuzzier the Pennywise memories have become. Something happens to you when you leave this town. The farther away, the hazier it all gets. But me, I never left. I remember all of it. We made an oath. I swear. If it isn't dead, if it ever comes back, we'll come back to it. We didn't stop it. Pennywise. The clown. (laughs) We can't let it happen again. Finish it. So 
good. I've seen all of us die. It consumes us from the inside until we don't have a choice anymore. You lied. If I died... Mike eventually convinces them to stay, and each one have to have a one-on-one face with their deepest fears in pursuit of defeating Pennywise for good. Okay, so I just want to start by asking, simply, did you like it? Yeah, I really liked it. It definitely lived up to the hype. Oh, and yeah, and we were so excited for this, and it definitely lives up to its height, and anything that it doesn't do as well as I wanted it to. The acting prowess and caliber that they brought into the second movie, it just wipes clean any of the issues I probably had with it. My initial reaction that I've been telling to people is that because the casting is 100% on point, like these adult actors look like the adult versions of these child actors, like better than any time I've ever seen. If even one of them was like not that good, it would have totally taken me out of the movie. It would have been not believable, especially since there's so many name actors in it. I would have been like, why is Bill Hader in this movie? But instead, I'm like, why is adult Finn Wolfhart in this movie? (laughs) But like they do such a good job of the casting. It's almost as if the adults are playing the children who are playing the characters. Oh, yeah. It's it feels so generational. Um, and what I guess what I've initially been telling people was it is delightful but tiring. Yeah. I would chalk it up to like if I was trying to eat a entire pizza to myself. But that's kind of like how the first one felt to me. Like it felt very true to the first chapter of the movie is like you went in and you laughed way more than you expected. Mm-hmm. And it's because like middle school boys are dumb to each other. And then, well, it turns out when middle school boys haven't seen each other since middle school, they're like still dumb to each other. Yeah, and I did it's your still mom. Funny. I did your mom that last night. You know, yeah. like just this stupid <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. So you like, there's a levity to a movie that's so heavy because not only is it like absolutely terrifying, and there's so many jump scares, and the jump scares could be anything from like creatures to Pennywise himself to like a transformed version of Pennywise himself. But the way that these adults are dealing with them and how they're, like, doing their deepest fears, it's all about trauma. Like, it's all about the the most traumatic things that happen to them as a child is what they have to go face as an adult. Everything from Beverly's extremely abusive father that we saw in the first chapter and, you know, Eddie's relationship with his mother being and being a hypochondriac to Richie and his sexuality like none of these are light subjects and yet you're like kind of giggling throughout the movie it's so crazy yeah I feel like I saw my friends grow up and nothing really stopped absolutely and that that was refreshing I also enjoyed how much development we received for each character because they really do sequence out the different characters and each one really gets their time whether that's an interaction with Pennywise or one of their greatest fears. And even Pennywise gets 
some hints to maybe his origins and a little bit more of his background story, which I also appreciated. Yeah, it has the classic, you know, scary movie tropes, but it has a lot of the Stephen King fantasy and sci-fi tropes. Like this whole ritual that they have to do at the end, which is like very science fiction-y. And that's very Stephen King, where even when he's talking about terrifying things, it's mostly like science fiction-y, super terrifying things. Something that I liked, he made a great cameo that was really fun, really unexpected. I always love those. It's it's like looking out for Stan Lee yeah. in his movies. You, you wait for it because you know it's there, and he's so brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I think this one was great because like he notoriously hates the movie renditions of his books. He's been on record a million times saying that Stanley Kubrick ruined The Shining and things like like super accepted movies that we love. He's just like, that's not at all what I wrote. And so he famously loves these two chapters of this movie, which is amazing. I think that's why he agreed to be in the movie, which is really fun. Yeah. Oh, make sure to keep an eye out for that. Now, I, I've been struggling to decide, was it extremely scary for me, or is it the fact that you and I saw it in IMAX? It, it definitely played into it. Like, Pennywise should never be that big. <laughs> yeah. Ever. And with IMAX, you kind of feel like you can't get away from the screen. Like, I yeah. turn my head, and I'm like, oh, nope, he's still there. Trapped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very immersive. I, it's uh, definitely a movie you have to see in the theater. Oh, yeah. If you don't see IMAX, you have to see it in theaters. The jump scares are amazing. And, you know, it's it's typical horror. So you have music that leads up to it. And then it's like the big <laughs> crash of music when there's a jump scare. So there's definitely times where you expect it. And then there's other times that took me completely by surprise. Mm-hmm. Like I we had dinner before and I had had two margaritas and I was so afraid towards the end I was going to pee my pants because the jump scares were so good. It like there were literally points where like it physically took my breath away. Oh yeah. Like I was I was like okay, breathing exercises, here we go. And I watch a ton of horror movies. Yeah, and that's what like that's what threw me off too is I it's been years since I had my hands on my face mm-hmm. covering things up. In this movie I absolutely was. Yeah. And I mean, you sat next to me. You could hear, like, in the quiet where it goes, like, dead silent for, like, the three seconds before something terrifying. I'm always like, no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Like, something horrible happens. But, like, I don't know. That's why we love scary movies. And they they really did this to the best. Oh, yeah. And the girl next to me would jump up three feet every time there was a jump scare. So that didn't help either. But, no. yeah, it, it was great because you had an audience that laughed when you were supposed to laugh and jumped mm. when they were supposed to jump. And and even if you're not a Stephen King fan, this is just a really good old school horror. It's, su- it's such a movie that reminds you why you love going to the movies. Like there's so much conversation about like in five years will movie theaters even exist because so many things are going straight to streaming. There was a a movie made by Netflix that was nominated for Best Picture last year. Like the idea of going to the movies is 
becoming more and more obsolete, but people love going to the movies for community so that we do all jump at the same time, so that we do all laugh at the same time. And this is a movie that reminds you like why it's important to go out and see movies in a movie theater with a bunch of people who are having the exact same experience as you. And that's so delightful. So word on The Grapevine is that this movie used the most amount of blood ever in any horror movie. Which is also hard to believe because of the previous aforementioned movie, The Shining. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very infamous bloody scene. But even like the blood the blood scene was insane. And I watched a million interviews with Jessica Chastain and she was basically like, I've talked about the blood scene so much. Stop asking me about the blood scene. <laughs> but it's so scary. And I had almost forgotten that Young Bev has a blood scene as well. And this is one of the movies, rarely in sequels do you really need to have seen the first one to see the second one. And I guess you could get away with it. But I wish I had recently rewatched the first one before seeing this one. Um, I think it would have triggered a lot more of, of those things where I'm like, oh, this is a callback to like when they were kids and stuff like that. So the... Um, the director has actually said that when they release this on DVD or on iTunes or whatever, that they're going to do a super cut. So they're going to do chapter one, dip to black, chapter two. And even though the movie is going to be like a million hours long, which like reflects the book that is like a million pages long, I think that's going to be like the best way to see this movie. That honestly still sounds like a really awesome Saturday afternoon Yeah, it to sounds me. great. It's like a great use of six hours of my life. And I can pause it so I can go on pee breaks. So Absolutely. it's great. I think it's like a lot of people are saying, and I understand this, a lot of people are saying like it's bigger but not necessarily better. And I understand that thought process and I agree to an extent, but I think that people are feeling this way because it doesn't feel like a traditional sequel. Like it really does feel like the second half of a movie like the second half of the book, like a chapter two, which is why I think like the the supercut will be the best version of these two movies where you just like watch it all the way through. It's a little difficult as a standalone movie itself. Yeah. And, you know, for people who are like, was one or two better? I mean, you can tell it's the same crew, like the same director, the same producer, because it's it's on par. I don't think one can be better than the other yeah. when it is a continuation, like you said. Yeah. I mean, it is similar to like when they did Harry Potter, the last one in two movies, like what's better, part one or part two? And it's like, I don't know what's like, is the first half of the book better than the second half of the book? Like it, it feels like such an obsolete question because of the way that they designed this, which I thought was really smart. What did you think about um, how much they touched into, like, the traumas that these kids have? It was interesting to process what I saw in the first movie and to see how it affected them later. Um, I didn't actually remember the fact that once you leave Derry, you forget mm -hmm. a lot of that. So that was a surprise for me. And then you can kind of tell with each character as they're slowly starting to remember and it's it was yeah like um bill in the first movie as a kid it's his brother georgie that goes missing so he's kind of like the main character in the first half of the first movie he has this 
really bad stutter. And in the first half of the movie, James uh, McAvoy doesn't stutter. And I didn't really think about it um, until he started stuttering. And I was like, what is happening? When did you get this stutter? And then I had to, like, remind myself that the child had the stutter and that because he had been so far away, like, he had, you know, grown out of certain things and, like, almost like a regression and whatever. But I think that's why, like, why you got to watch these movies, like, kind of close together to remember little things like that. Oh, yeah. And they they touched on things. And it's no surprise to any of us that Bevy would go from an abusive father to an abusive relationship. And we see that time and time again in real life. So a lot of those traumas made sense. But it's always hard to watch anyone, whether it's a friend or someone on a screen, process trauma. Yeah. I think that something that Stephen King does really well is giving children um, adult topics, if that makes sense, or... um, making children go through adult situations. Um, And I think that this movie is the perfect example. Um, Obviously, there's good examples in Carrie and, you know, we mentioned The Shining um, in Stand By Me, where he wrote wrote that. Um, Those are all really good examples of, like, children dealing with what we consider to be really adult things and I think this is kind of the like creme de la creme of that theme that he uses well and when it comes down to it we're talking about a movie well two movies that literally touch on children being slaughtered yeah and murdered in front of us and there's two very key scenes where you have this great kid and then you have blood and you don't you don't necessarily see the intimate details of that, but you're like, oh my gosh, like a kid just died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think some of like the best horror that's being made right now is where the horror isn't the scariest part of the movie. Like if that makes sense, like the little girl who goes underneath the um, bleachers and we know what's gonna happen and we're so scared and we watch. Pennywise lure her in and she kind of goes away and then he's like oh but I don't have any friends and you're just like the whole it's like a six minute scene it's so so scary and like bone chilling your hair is standing up because you're like no 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 just you're you're smart you got it go away and then of course like you know he brings her in and we watch him eat her and it's so crazy But then on top of that, I would say that one of the scariest parts of the movie is Richie dealing with his sexuality. Like this balance of like horror and fear, I guess. And um, I mean, they do such a good job of that in so many like I mean, Jordan Peele's very good at that kind of stuff of like the undertones is what's actually the scary part. The humanity is what's actually the scary part while these really crazy theatrical scary things are happening when i agree that that build-up and being able to relate to the character the build-up's killer at, even when bev visits her old home and you see this old lady transitioning Ugh. but it's such a slow build-up and Ugh. the girl under the bleachers and it's like oh like it's not as much the action itself and when it happens, that buildup is just killer. Yeah, the anticipation is so much. So a lot of people have been asking if they're going to do an It Chapter 3. Um, everyone is kind of on the record of unless Stephen King writes more of this book, they're not going to. But it has been rumored that they might do like 
a Pennywise origin story? Would you be interested in something like that? Sure. Yeah? Yeah. If, I, would, like, I would dig it. If, like, King worked with them to, like, kind of write it the right way. Yeah. I mean, I would want, I would at least want King's blessing, if not uh, support. And, because yeah. uh, we don't know. Like, he made this, he made this character out of nowhere. And I kind of, I would at least need his blessing. But for the most part, I like things to stick to the book, like Harry Potter. But then I also saw saw how fantastically well The Handmaid's Tale did after it was quote unquote post book, mm-hmm. and how that transitioned. So maybe you know I see what they it. do, and if it fails miserably, we still have six hours of really awesome movie. So yeah, because like while I am. I feel like I'm finished with this story. I'm like not at all finished with Bill Skarsgård playing Pennywise. Oh. Like I could watch like 900 more things of him being the scariest monster in the 2000s. Oh, it's so well done. Not not to shake my head at Tim Curry whatsoever, but if anyone was going to replace him, like, I know. oh man, just when you when he starts, you know. When he starts that drool, you just cringe. Like, ah. The one that really gets to me is like the eye twitch, mm-hmm. like where his one eye goes like, l- like lopsided, and I'm like, oh my god! I was watching this interview with Bill Hader, and he was like talking to Bill Skarsgård, like Offset or whatever, and they were like getting beers, chatting, and he was like, how do you, like how do they do that, like in in production, like what are they doing digitally to like make that happen? And Bill Skarsgård's like. Oh, like this? And like flips his eye and Bill Hader's like freaking out. He's like, oh, you do that on your own? Oh, that's so scary. I would drop my beer. I would leave. That's <laughs> so scary. It's literally nightmare fuel. Speaking of beer, do we get to drink? Yes. Oh, my God. Before I, before this m- movie review makes me anxious, I got to get a cocktail. My heart rate, my Fitbit said that my heart rate for the th- nearly three hours of the movie was like 98 beats per minute. Yeah, I was pretty close to that. <laughs> it was not good. All right. So Tuesday after this movie, what did you go drink? I actually kept with the night. We went to a really great Mexican food restaurant. So I'm sticking with the margarita. Amazing. Can't go wrong with a margarita. Never. All right. So for my drink, I definitely needed a drink after this because I was so anxious. I'm going to go with something timeless because we see this like transition of these same characters over time. I'm just going to go with a gin and tonic. It's going to be my drink for the rest of my life. It always has been. In 27 years, I'll still want a gin and tonic. (laughs) Hey, if it tastes like home... Yeah, why mess with it? Yeah. Gin and tonic, two limes, no straw. I mean. Beautiful. What else do you need? All right, Tuesday. Well, where else can they find whiskey and popcorn on the interwebs? Well, we've got Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we will see you again at the movies. Bye. Bye.